the last two weeks of the season strategy, waiver wires, and injuries. Well, we're down to the final stretch in the baseball season, and it's all coming up next here on Beat the Shift. And welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. My Sunday softball team is in the championship game. Uh, we are we are there. Uh, my night league didn't work out as well, but the uh, Sunday was, was good. I was pitching a shutout. It was 8 nothing, and then... Just some weird things. Yeah, they got you know they scrapped together a hit in the ninth, uh, a couple of hits. They got a run, and then there was an error, uh, and then there was an injury. And because there was an injury, a guy was off base, and the umpire said, "No, no, we'll give it to him an injury." And next thing you know, uh, another error. They they hit a home run, and then another error, and then uh, a couple of hits, and uh, it's it's eight seven. But we finally get through it. Um, and we're playing uh, that pitcher that uh, played against you guys in the semifinals, apparently. Yeah, that actually beat my team in the semifinals. In the uh, best of three semifinals, we lost in game three to him. Um, but your bullpen, or you, sound like the <laughs> Phillies bullpen here. <laughs> oh, oh, dear Lord. Uh, our Mets have been losing a couple of games in a row to the Cubbies. Uh, doing well tonight against uh, Pittsburgh. That's all on track. Uh, not uh, not too much strategy. It's the end of the year. We've given you a lot of strategy so far, but uh, just a couple of quick baseball topics before we go into our waiver wire picks and such. Um, just, uh, you know, this has come up before, and I was talking to a bunch of buddies uh, over the weekend. Uh, Shohei Otani versus Aaron Judge, who's the MVP, and a couple of buddies of mine are, uh, oh, Otani, he, he does it, he's a pitcher, and he does it, he, he gets it, and... Uh, my my feeling is that Aaron Judge is clearly the MVP this year. I mean, Otani's wars don't add up to uh, and even close to the stratosphere of Aaron Judge, whose war is 9.7, 9.7 war, according to Fangraphs. His WRC plus, 205. That's incredible. He's pretty much putting, up to, putting together the best season since Barry Bonds back when he hit those uh, that 73 homer year. Um, do you, do you think differently or, or do you agree with me that, uh, Aaron judge is clearly the MVP this year? Well, I think it depends on how you, this, how you explain and how you define the word MVP. If you're saying MVP is most valuable player. Yes. Aaron judge was the most valuable player in base in basically in baseball. Cause where would the Yankees be without him? But a lot of times MVP gets confused because of the war and everything like that with, with, the best player, and that's happened before where Mike Trout's won. He was the best player in baseball a couple times. Um, he may not have the best war, but he had the he was the best player in baseball, and he won the MVP. And a lot of times, the best player wins MVP. And I happen to think that Otani, if the Angels did not have Otani, they would be a bottom feeder. They would be worse than they are. Think about it. He's a number. He's an ace. Or a one A and a starting rotation with with a great ERA that they it's where I mean it's it's ridiculous so far this year he's done I mean he's he had two five five ERA he's got twelve wins he's got eight losses with a two five five ERA and a one zero six WHIP how do you lose eight games with with those numbers you have to be like a Jacob Degrom type where you, your team just isn't hitting which is exactly what happens he's pitched in twenty he started in twenty four games giving one hundred and forty one innings and one hundred and eighty eight strikeouts. 
That is a top-tier starting pitcher. Then you go over to the hitting side. He started off very slow, and everyone knows that, but he is batting 265 now with 34 home runs, 11 stolen bases. He's gotten 513 at-bats, which is great. Runs, I mean, he has 80 runs. That's good, but for a player like him, he should have more, but he's just on a bad team. So are you going to say that Otani is not the best player in baseball and shouldn't the MVP? I mean, the Angels would be completely irrelevant if Otani wasn't on the team. I mean, they're 20 games under 500. I don't know how you're 20 games under 500 with Otani and Mike Trout on the same team. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, but, I mean, what, what Judge is doing is, you know, defensively, he's very decent, too. He's playing center field this year. Um, Aaron Judge is, uh, look, I, I think Otani is a top three player in baseball this year in baseball terms. But Aaron Judge is just so far ahead of everybody uh, that, it, to me, it's it's not close. And it's just shame for Otani this year because he's fantastic. But, uh, no, it's definitely Judge. By the way, what do you think he's going to get in the open market? And and what what a great play by him to not take the offer uh, from the Yankees earlier this year. Uh, what do you think he's going to get on the on the open market? Do you have any any rough gauge? I have I have no idea. He's he's an older player. He's he's going to free agency later in, in his career than other players have normally done that. But he's also a freak of nature. He's also massive. He's also he he's a figure. He is the face of the franchise of the Yankees. Um, I I think that he's going to get probably close to what I say forty million a year, forty five million, even close to fifty. I think the question is going to be between him and Jacob Degrom, who's going to get a more higher average annual value of a contract. Was well, is, is going to be Jacob Degrom or is it going to be Aaron Judge? What do you think? No, it's going to be Aaron Judge in terms of higher. Uh, I'm sorry, in terms of higher AAV, it's going to be Degrom. The uh, Grum is going to get like fifty million a year, but it's going to be a shorter contract. Um, Judge is going to get a longer thing. I think Judge is going to get. Uh, Ju- I think Judge is going to basically send out a memo to everybody saying, "I'm looking for this dollar amount," and uh, well, he's not really going to send out the memo, but I'm saying he's looking for a, a number, and the AAV I think will be set just based on how many how many years it, it, it takes to do it. So he'll have in mind, "I want three seventy five. And you know they'll they'll just negotiate the years to get him an AI an AAV that looks really decent. But I think the more important thing is the dollar amount for Degrom. It's going to be a much shorter deal. I, I mean, I can see Judge signing for eight nine years and Degrom signing for three four. So you know the the total amount will be a lot bigger for Judge, but the AAV will go to. You don't think Judge is going to try to get break the four hundred million mark? I mean, that's kind of a number you have to look at. He's he's not going to get a ten year contract. That's that's not going to happen because he's he's what thirty one, thirty two. He's not going to get a ten year contract. But if he gets a six seven year contract with an average value of let's say. 44. I mean, it's it's going to be close, and, and they, they'll probably give him like a, a signing bonus or something. Like that. They'll probably give him incentives to try to get to that point. Um, I think he's going to try to get closer to the 400 mark overall for an overall contract. Well, a 44 AAV at seven years is $308 million. So I, I, I think it's not going to get there. I think it's going to be something more towards towards like a, a 375, in my opinion. And I think they'll maybe do eight years or, or nine years or so. And we're talking 375 over eight is uh, about 40, almost 47 million a year. I think that something closer. Uh, I don't know. It depends. I think uh, it, a lot depends on what they do with, uh, with what the market does with Trey Turner. I think that, uh, you know, there's good market for some of those guys. And let's, let's see what happens there. He's younger. That might set the market. I can see Turner signing before Judge. 
uh, and that should give us a better indication or so. I do want to talk about Albert Pujols for a little bit. Um, Albert Pujols is just having a monster year. Uh, and if you haven't seen yet on Twitter uh, or, or a study um, about Albert Pujols' WRC Plus year by year, uh, he's having a better WRC Plus this year at 141 right now than any season that he had with any other team. His best season was, he had one season with the Angels of a 123 WRC+, plus, but that 141 is better than any other season of any other ball club that he played for. But, <laughs> in the same token, he did play for St. Louis before. It, this would be his worst WRC+. Plus. Uh, previously, before then, his worst one was 147, so it would be just slightly worse. He is clearly a better as a Cardinal. And, you know, my feeling is that this resembles, this hot streak, this resembles Buster Posey from the other year, where out of the blue, Buster Posey just turned it on in his last year and really got back to almost his MVP ways. Uh, and he, you, and I, listening to him at the end of the year, he said, man, I, I gave it my all. I, I knew this was the last one, so I just pushed and pushed and pushed. And I kind of think Pujols is doing that. I kind of think that this this hot streak is not a fluke. This is real. This is him pushing and pushing and getting there. And I think he has the number 700 in mind for homers, and he's doing everything he can. And he's a Hall of Famer, man, and Hall of Famers do Hall of Fame things. Uh, I can totally see him getting to 700. Uh, I can definitely see it. And it's because he's pushing, and he's bending the limits of his age and bending the limits of his body, and he's going, and this will obviously be the last year, and he's going to go out and probably make a similar speech like Puster Posey did and said, I gave it my all, and man, I, that, that's it for me. Well, I, for Pujols, I think he's, you know, he is having his quote-unquote career year as in, as a 40-something-year-old. I think he's, he's doing really well. I think that the fact that he's doing it in a limited basis, he's only actually played 92 games and he has 18 home runs and he's been 266. This is someone who was basically left for dead. He was, he was, he was um, let go by the Angels. He didn't do that well with the Dodgers even when, when they got him. He didn't do as, as well as this. Um, I think this is going to be his swan song. I, I, if he wanted to, I'm sure because of the DH, he can play again next year. I don't think he will. I think this will be it. I, I don't. I think he'd want to leave with people remembering him like this as opposed to something else, especially if he reaches the 700 home run mark. As as compared to Buster Posey, Buster Posey is a little bit different because remember, Posey did opt out in 2020, so he didn't play in 2019, and he had a full year to think about what he was going to do, what you know, whether he was going to come back or not. And Posey did come back. Um, he did. He played very well. Um, he was an all-star. He actually uh, finished 21st in the MVP ballot last year, which is crazy to think about. And then he retired. Listen, he was he was 34 years old. He was younger, but it's also beat up more because he was a catcher. Pools has had multiple injuries also, and you can see he's not running at full strength. You can see when he rounds the bases, he's limping. He's he's not you know he he can't run anymore really. I mean, Pools is. I think going to be the, probably the last 700 home run hitter we're going to see in a very long time. I don't think anyone else is going to come close to his number for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, he has 50 RBIs, Pujols, in almost just about 250 at-bats. It's crazy. I mean, who who else who else could flirt with 600? Like, who who right now in the majors you think can, can really flirt? You really got to start young, like a Julio Rodriguez, maybe, Acuna, if he can stay healthy. I mean, do you um, think Trout? Do you think Trout can get there? 
I mean, that that's no the only person that really comes up. That's really the only player I can think that can actually, you know, get close to that. Um, he he's I mean he has 345 home runs right now, and Trout is obviously 30, 30 years 30, old. 30, so he still has at least another what six good years left. I mean, it's Mike Trout, so six good years of what he's doing. He's obviously not stealing any bases anymore. But if he hits another, let's say, 35 home runs for the next five years. That's gets getting close to the 550, 600, and, and then you never know if he goes more than that. And if he stays healthy enough, you never know. But now you know that he does have this chronic backing thing that he's going to have the rest yeah. of his life, or this, the rib thing. Um, it, it's a matter of whether or not he could stay healthy and, and maintain the same pace, just like Pujols did. Yeah, the health scares me with Trout. Uh, if I didn't think he had any health issues, then yes, he, he would definitely be the guy. I can't really think of anybody else right now who who has some weight on them. Um, off the cuff of my head, I, I, I can't think of anybody who I really think is going to really contend for 600. Can you? Yeah, it's, it's, no, it, it's the, the, the levels of 600 home runs and the levels of 300 wins by a pitcher I don't think are going to be attained anytime soon, especially in today's day and age. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, all right, well, let's get to some of our waiver wire. By the way, Albert Pujols, if you're wondering, is he available? He's he's six, only 33% rostered, so he's available in two-thirds of leagues. And like I said, I think this is legit. I think he's like this till the end. Um, he's an instant pickup, and they're going to play him because they, they want him to get to, uh, to, to uh, 700 in a swan song, and they're going to play him for the rest of the season, so... There you go. All right, moving. Uh, waiver wire picks for this coming week, uh, heading to really to the final stretch of the season. All right. Well, I have a couple of them. First, I'm going to start off with Will Myers, who's been, you know, no one really heard him that much because he's been injured and on the aisle for a good chunk of time. He's only owned in 18% of CBS leagues. Over the last week, he's batting 389 with a stolen base. No power, but in the last month, he's raised his batting average from 233 to 259, and he is a power threat. He's a power threat. He's a stolen base threat, and he's playing almost every day now that he's healthy. He's a guy that if you need an instant instant offense, he's a possibility, especially people don't really think of him as, as, a, as that same type of threat because of all his injuries, but he still could do it. Christian Betancourt. Tampa Bay catcher. If you need a catcher or you're streaming catchers, this is a guy to look at. He's only owned in 14% of CBS leagues, um, and he's actually been playing almost every day. He's eligible at first base because they have him sometimes playing at first base as well. So you're going to get those at-bats. That's the one thing you need at this point in the season. You need to try to get as many at-bats as possible. He's batting 312 over the last week. He's already gone with this year with 10 homers and 5 stolen bases, which is actually pretty good for a catcher with, with a decent average. Um, he's played, like I mentioned, he's played 40 games a catcher and 36 at first base so again if you need those at bats and you want to dump one of those catchers who are not doing that great he may not hit a lot of home runs but he's getting on base and he's and he's hitting for a good average recently another catcher Danny Jansen he's only owned in 23% of CBS leagues and with now this news that Alejandro Kirk is dealing with a little bit of a hip issue Danny Jansen has been batting 474 over the last week and 386 over the last three weeks so this is a sustained thing that's going on in his last three in like I mentioned last three weeks they're batting 386 three homers 10 runs and a stolen base Toronto's been playing well they recently passed Tampa in the standings so he's a guy if he, another guy if he's available and he's a two catcher league and or even a one catcher league and you want it, and you have money enough fab to pay for an extra catcher to flip this catch to flip a hop bat in there he's the guy to go for and another guy very deep very deep mark mathias 
He's owned in 2% of leagues. He plays for, for, um, for the Texas Rangers. Last week, he's batting very well. And last three weeks, he's batting 344 with four homers, two stolen bases, 10 RBIs, and eight runs. He's not playing every day, but when he's, he's very, it's very sporadic. But if he keeps hitting like this, there's no reason why the Rangers will not play him. Yeah, he's actually the deep guy I looked at as well. He has three homers just this week. He's actually playing more. He's playing regularly the last couple of days. On the season, only 62 at-bats. That's not a lot. Six homers, three stolen bases, 306 average. I'd keep my eye on him maybe for next year. Uh, just take a look, Mark Matthews. Um, my guys, to tell you about, uh, Ruve mentioned him last week, Josh Young. The, uh, uh, the, or is it pronounced Josh Young? It's know? Josh Young. Josh Young. Okay, Josh Young. Spelled yes. with a J. Um, yes. he, he's finally up, finally healthy. Tons of power. I mean, he's a power prospect. And he's actually been good at the majors. He has two homers this ready, uh, two homers already uh, up. Definitely, if you need a pinch of power, he's a guy that could do it. He's owned in 50% of leagues, so you'd have to be in a more shallow league. But there you go. Oscar Gonzalez, also a target for shallow leagues. Nine homers in the season, batting 298 in 272 at-bats. That's legit, folks. Six homers just this month. Uh, Cleveland in the thick of things, so that is uh, somebody who you want. If he's not owned in your league, he should be. Rodolfo Castro, hot guy this month. He's only 5% owned, so this is a deep league play. He's got seven homers this month with three stolen bases. That's excellent for Roto, um, and he's playing every day, so that's a guy to do it. How about an old favorite, Josh? Uh, sorry, Josh. AJ Pollock. Uh, he has four homers this month, batting 270 this month with a stolen base. We know he has the skills. His health is an issue, but he's he's succeeding. So AJ Pollock is a guy um, who can help his team and could help you. And we mentioned last week Lane Thomas. His ownership on CBS went from 20% last week to 30%. He's blazing hot. He bats leadoff every single day. He's got 15 homers on the year. Uh, that's a guy that you should be picking up, especially if you're in a deeper league if he's not owned. And just uh, to throw two closers out there, if you're really scrawling for saves, Jose LeClerc, he's saving games for Texas now. He blew the save the other day, but he's had three saves in the last seven days beforehand. Jose LeClerc, definitely the guy to own now in Texas. And I know it's a Ray, but Peter Fairbanks has now appeared in three games. The last three games he appeared in, he saved all three of them. He has a 1.35 ERA on the season with a .7 whip, 30 strikeouts, and 20 innings. If you're in need of ratio help and if you don't want to start a guy and blow your ratios, he's widely available. Pick up Peter Fairbanks. I did in a couple leagues of mine already. And, I'm and at this at this point in the season, you're looking for playing time. You're looking for role changes. That's what you got to do, and you got to pick up. Try to pick up the hot hand if you can. Yeah, we didn't do much strategy today, but um, you know, one thing I do want to bring up is this could be one of our last episodes of this of the regular season before it closes. Um, you know, if you have if you have uh, Fab left over, remember Fab does not count towards next year. It's use it or lose it money. Um. Don't have any fab in the bank for, uh, after the season. A lot of people listen. If you have, if you're if you're in a thousand uh, dollar league and you got fifteen dollars left over, okay. But some people have three hundred dollars of fab in the bank. What are you waiting for? Um, check all your fab totals. Uh, I would recommend spending 
at least 25% of all of your remaining fab this week at a bare minimum, right? I mean, even more. If anybody you buy right now is going to be used for two weeks, anybody you buy next week is going to be used for one week. So you're getting twice the value of a guy. You should be spending almost 50 to 60% of your fab this week, really, uh, if you can plan ahead. I mean, don't don't. what are you saving up for one week at the end? It's not really going to going to help you all that much this is going to help you twice as much uh that's one tip uh any other tips uh from you Ruin? yeah the one caveat with that is don't spend too much because you want to have enough money in fab for the last week of the season to have backups in your lineup just in case you're playing for the championship and you need an active player what happens if your catcher let's say the fab goes on sunday and your catcher goes down and goes on the aisle on monday or is done for the season or doesn't play you want to make sure you have that backup you can put in the lineup whether it's a catcher whether it's at any position just to make sure and that's the time to finish the rest of your fab but just make sure that you don't get caught having a dead roster spot the last week of the season especially if you need it Oh, yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah, for the very last fab period, we, we preach this a lot. Uh, you know, even if you if you play in a two-catcher league um, and the lineups uh, lock once a week, get a third catcher because something can happen on that very the, – the night, the day of. Um, you're not saving money in a redraft league. Or you're not saving players for another league. So map out who you're going to play and have a backup for every single position no matter what. Definitely want to do that. Um, you know, in in terms of what what you're looking at, you be careful of the last for pitchers, starting pitchers. Be careful in the last week of the season. What you may think is, oh man, this guy is too start to end the season. That last week, don't count on it. Uh, would you say, Ruvain, that maybe fifty percent of the scheduled two star pitchers don't make it the whole and they get shut down or? Or, or, or if they don't get shut down, they just pitch like four innings and don't even have a chance for a win. Uh, I, I, I can't, I don't think these days it's more than 50% of people who are actually listed for two starts actually get 10 innings in the week. Well, it may be a little bit different. It may be a little bit different this year because the rosters aren't expanded to as much as they were before. So the pitchers True. may go a little bit longer, and there's a better chance they'll do that. But it's a better chance that some a pitcher can be IL'd after a first spot, after a first start, just to bring someone else up so they can have someone else start the second start. So you do have to be careful with that, which is why you should really look at the teams who are still in it. And if you're nervous about a pitcher not getting two starts, try to get a high leverage pitcher. If it's not the closer or starter, a high leverage pitcher on a team that's in it, that, that's trying to get to the playoffs. Because you never know, you may vulture a win. That's a fair point about the rosters not expanding as much. You you will you will see this year a lot of people quote hurt at the end of the year, and they'll say soreness, back soreness, spasms, or whatever. Oh, let's put them on the IL, and that's just to get the free roster spot at the end. You're going to see that a lot this year. If you remember a couple of years ago when you had a 40-man roster, after September 1st, nobody was ever put on the nobody was ever put on the IL. Why? I mean, there's no no point. You have plenty of roster space, uh, and teams didn't even bring up all 40 players, right? They'd have 38, 36, 37. So why would you put in a guy in the IL? You don't need the space. Uh, but you'll see that this year. You'll see a lot of people going on the IL. So if you're well, the point is, if you're counting on that two start, don't as much. Um, obviously, also, there's... also, also this year, the last week of the season is a little bit fluky because you have the last week of the season and then you have the three extra games afterwards. So that's going to be very interesting also to see how that plays out with the, with the fab and everything, just because of the fact that usually the season ended on a Sunday and the season, the end, but this year it's ending on Wednesday, which is a little oh, bit different. Right. 
So because they're adding on because of the lockout. So it's a little bit different this year also. So it's strategy is a little bit different when it comes to it. Yeah. And and check your league settings because there are so this is important. There are some leagues that are going to do a 10 game uh, a 10 game week where your lineups are locked for the 10 games. And there's going to be a lot of uh, online sources, a lot of online uh, place to play that have the, they're going to have the short week. That's going to be the full seven and then the short week. So actually what I was saying about the two-star pitchers, you're right. It won't apply this week. I did forget about that. Uh, but do look at your league format because there's going to be a different strategy to implement for this year. Um, because of that, that's very interesting. Do pay attention to that. That that will come up. Uh, it, listen, I, I like when the odd things come up because it changes the game every so slightly, and it makes you think more. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's do a couple of pitchers and a pitcher preview. Uh, who's a pitcher that you're looking to take this week? Well, I got three of them actually that I'm thinking about looking at, and I probably will try to go after in my own leagues. The first one is a Red Sox pitcher, Brian Bellow. I think you mentioned him last week. He started this week against the Yankees. He pitched five innings and gave up zero earned runs. And there's a possibility, very good possibility, he'll be two-start next week at Cincinnati and again against the Yankees. His Recently, in his last couple of starts, he's got 18 strikeouts in his last 16 innings with a 1.65 ERA. That's pretty good. Um, and they're going to keep him in the rotation. They'll see what they'll see what he's got. They're not going to shut him down or anything like that. And he's got two decent starts, especially if he already was able to shut down the Yankees. I think he should be able to do it again. The next two pitchers are both Cubs. So I guess go Cubs go. Um, the first pitcher is Adrian Sampson. He's only 5% owned in CBS. He actually shut down the Mets this past week with six, six shutout innings. He's possible to start next week. At Miami, at Pittsburgh. I love those starts. Those are very good. In his last three games, he's 1-1 with a 1.59 ERA. He's got only eight strikeouts in 17 innings, but you know what? Those are very, two very good starts, and the reason why I'm picking the second Cubs pitcher is because he may have the same two-start double dip going on there against the Miami and against Pittsburgh, and that's Javier Assad. Now, he's been pretty good in his last 17 and the third innings. He's got 15 strikeouts, a 3-1-2 ERA, 1-2-7 one, one, whip. That's not that great, but he's only 5% owned, so he's available, and if he's pitching, if, he's, if he lines off the pitch two starts against Miami and Pittsburgh this, this late in the season, go for it. So I have on the schedule more possibly that it's uh, Sampson and Drew Smiley that are going to be the two against Miami and Pittsburgh. Um, things might clear up between now and the fab uh, time on Sunday. So just take a look, but I think we're both recommending uh, whoever's— Cubs pitchers. Cubs pitchers, and Cubs are Cubs are doing well right now uh, against the Marlins and against the Pirates. Of course. Uh, so it's always good to pick a pitcher against the Pirates. It's the section where we look at pitchers who face the Pirates. <laughs> there you go. And, and even if a side isn't two-start this week, he would be two-start the following week. So there's a possibility for that also. That's true. That's true. And uh, I, I was going to say that uh, whoever's pitching in that end of the Pirate series would line up against Cincinnati at home after that. So uh, the, the Cubs are the pitchers to get. And they've been great this week. If you picked up those uh, this week, you would have been very, very happy. I would have mentioned Bailey Falter who has four straight wins, four straight starts, but might be out of the rotation headed to the bullpen. Take a look, though. You never know. You never know this late in the season. They might not do that with him. So let's see. If he still has a rotation spot, he's worth an add. I want to mention Ryan Nelson, who has only 20% owned, 
two really good starts to begin his career. He's on Arizona, uh, and the strikeouts were there. I mean, he struck out over a batter inning. He plays San Francisco next. Uh, I think Ryan Nelson is somebody to look at. He's interesting. And Zach Granke, two start this week against Minnesota and Seattle. Um, you never know. If you need the wins or if you need some innings, Granky could be a good start. Uh, definitely a guy with uh, some old tricks in there. All right, injury report. Ruvain, let's hit it. All right, we've still got injury updates going on because players are still being put on the IL because of the shortened roster or not as large roster as it normally was. But there are still people who are coming back, and that's what you have to know about. You have to know who's going to be coming back and who's going to be on, who's going to, who's going to be available because these at bats mean a lot for your team at this point. Jorge Polanco, he's one guy who's dealing with a knee injury, He's and he's on the IL, but there's a possibility that he could return sometime over this weekend. So if he does, take a look at that. Make sure your lineups are set appropriately. Same guy. Also, another guy who may be coming back this weekend, and that's DJ LeMayhew. It's said that he should, he may come back during this coming weekend, and, and uh, I'm sorry, this, on, Sunday, on Sunday or Monday, it's September 20th. So there's a possibility that he will be back very soon. Another guy who's targeting a return for this weekend, Anthony Rizzo. So all three of those guys, they look like they're going to be coming back. So those guys, you have to look to see if you have them, if you want to play them right away. Remember, they're not pitchers, they're hitters. Whether you want to play them right away and see how the teams are actually going to use them. So I think it's a big strategy thing to see if you're going to play these guys right away. If you want to, all these the, the, the three players I mentioned, they are on playoff rosters on playoff contending teams i think they're going to play i think they're going to there's no reason why you shouldn't be playing them right when they come back but one guy you're not going to play is brandon lau he was again placed on the aisle with low back discomfort um there's a good chance that he'll be able to play again this year the rays are hoping he'll be able to come back he had an mri done it showed some inflammation on his back um but he's a guy that even if he does come back he already came off the aisle for the same reason and went back on I'd be a little bit concerned. Could he be a drop in a in a draft in a in a redraft league at this point? Very possible because who's going to pick him up and who's going to risk him going back on the IL so quickly or even coming back as soon as he can? Another guy I'm going to mention. We were talking about Albert Pujols before. Miguel Cabrera, another oldie but goodie. He was placed on the IL with a left bicep strain. Manager Adrian Hinson said that Cabrera is unlikely to return this week. But he has not been shut down for the year yet, and he's been hitting off a tee. So he is trying to come back. So that's a good thing for all people who are watching Miguel Cabrera and watching his career. A guy who's not coming back is Jorge Soler. He is on the aisle with a low, with a low back issue. Don Mattingly said that some days he feels 100%, some days he feels something, some days he feels 100%. So he's done for the year. Um, look for him for next year. He didn't play that much this year, but he's still a good power threat for next year. I just want to run through a couple guys who are injured and may not be coming back. Andrew Velasquez, he was already ruled out for the rest of the year. He has a right meniscal tear. David Fletcher is going to be filling in a little bit, so if he's available, David Fletcher is going to get some at-bats there. Avisel Garcia, he's placed on the aisle with left hamstring discomfort. Um, if you, We don't know how bad it's going to be, but hamstrings can last a couple of weeks. We don't know if he's going to come back. Um, Gerard Encarnacion and Brian De La Cruz are two guys who are going to get more playing time if you want to take a risk on those guys. And Lourdes Gurriel, he was placed on the L with a left hamstring strain, ha left hamstring strain, retroactive to September 8th. The manager of the of the Blue Jays, John Schneider, indicated that his absence may not be brief. The earliest he can come back is September 20th. He's not really produced the way people thought we uh, uh, we would have thought that he would have produced this year. He hasn't really had so much power. He hasn't really hit for um, average that well. He hasn't stolen many bases. 
So he's a guy that at this point, I think you can drop pretty comfortably and not have to worry about losing too much power or stolen bases. Guys you can look for and to fill in to the lineup for this point, Ramiel Tapia, if he's available. Whit Merrifield, if you want to give him a shot, if he's on your bench, you're not playing because you're not full-time, he'll get more playing time. And even Kevin Biggio is going to get more playing time. Yeah, I mean, in general, if you need the roster spot, there's no reason to roster anybody who's going to be injured for a week. Uh, just low return, even when they come back, who knows if they're going to be there. But the guys who are set to come back this week, you know, if they're of a certain level or higher, you can certainly play them. If Rizzo's coming back, sure. LeMayo's coming back, sure, right? I mean, whoever they're coming in for, if you're in a deeper league, certainly they're going to be better than even in a reduced capacity. Uh, and one but, one more thing I want to add, though. If players are going to be added to the IL this coming week, we're taping this. This is September 15th. Pitchers IL are 15 days. Hitters are 10. If a player is added to the IL this week, you're not going to get much more out of them, and they can be a drop the following week. So just keep that in mind, especially players who are put on the IL even this weekend. Those are things to look at if if they're going to come back, how much they're going to come back, how much they're going to play. Is it even worth it to continue rostering them? This is the week when you can actually cut ties with a lot of these injured players or questionable injured players just because you want live bodies out there. You don't want to have a dead spot in your roster. Yeah, and one thing also is to consider, again, is the platform that you're on because there are some platforms that if you drop a player in the month of September cannot be picked up by anybody. I think RT Sports does that. There are some platforms that if you drop a player, they cannot be picked up the first week that they are uh, out there. Like if you drop a player, not eligible for un- until like two weeks. So you don't have to worry. It, it matters because a lot of times when you think, should I drop a player or not, you're worried, hey, if I drop him, he's going to be picked up by somebody else. right? Remember our golden rule of should you drop somebody early in the year? Well, if they're going to be picked up by somebody in the league, then you can't. Well, at the end of the season, it really goes away. And even if they're picked up, they're picked up for one week. Who cares? And maybe they're picked up by a team that you want to pass somebody else that you're chasing. So the the threat of that is lower. Uh, the propensity to drop is higher. You should be more apt to drop players with an, an, an issue because, again, there's your own roster of opportunity cost, but the fear of being picked up on another team, that should not be an issue. Some platforms just will outlaw it. So check your rules once again. Every platform is different. I can tell you that. Don't be surprised when, why is that guy not available? Well, because that's their rules. I kind of like that. Do you like that rule where RT Sports, if you drop a player in September, uh, uh, then you can't pick him up? I, I think that's a good rule, actually. I, I, I'm not in love with that rule. I like it, but it's not great because, you know what, if someone else wants to take that risk, let them take that risk. You're just taking that choice out of their hands. So, and, I mean, I, I understand it's it's being aggressive, and at this point you should be aggressive on the waiver wire because, you know, what else are you going to do? You're not going to have another, they're what, uh, two or three, three more fabs the rest of the year until next year, so why not be aggressive? But to, to drop someone and not be able to pick them up, I don't love it. It's a, it's a safety barrier for the people dropping in case you drop a big name. Like, let's say a team wants to drop, and let's say Rizzo doesn't come back over the weekend and Rizzo's out for another week. You can drop him in that type of league, and no one's going to pick him up. But, you know, I, it, it also makes you hold, you have to yeah. hold on to them. If you know you drop them and you can't re-pick them up, then there's no strategy of being able to drop them and being able to re-pick them up the next week. So I'm not in love yeah. with that rule. I understand it, but I'm not in love with it. 
It's a different strategy, right? You have to th- you have to think about repicking them up. Well, now your decision changes. It's it's just a really dependent decision. But uh, I think one of the reasons why they do that is to prevent collusion, where all of a sudden you know a guy in last place is dropping some player. Uh, ESPN had that, uh, or they might still call the undroppable list. Like if they're above a certain level, or, yeah, they still uh, have it. Yeah, so if if you you know either they deem it or maybe it's a top four round player or whatever, you just can't, you're not allowed to drop them. Uh, or if you drop them, then they're out of the player pool. Uh, I think that's fair for collusion because you don't want stupid things happening at the end of the year. Hey, somebody is all the way in last place, and why are they dropping this player? It you don't want that, right? I don't want somebody making a ridiculous move at the bottom, and then they can say, "Well, I'm entitled to. Why not?" I, I don't want to have a player uh, uh, available on, in the roster pool that shouldn't be at the end of the year. It just should not be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I do hear that. But, you know, it's, it's your roster. You should be able to do whatever you want. And at the same point, if you drop them and you want to pick them up a week later, that's, you know, well, you made a mistake. You, you, you Well, let's say you accidentally dropped them or something like that. You picked the wrong player. You pressed the wrong button. You accidentally <laughs> dropped them. Because yeah. that does happen. That does happen. But then I mean, what? like, if, then, if then you have if you have the guy in fifteenth place and he has Freddie Freeman, and he decides to drop him uh, with two weeks to go. Uh, I mean, he can say, "Well, it's my roster; I can do whatever I want with it." But uh, I mean, we don't want that to be because we don't want a, a, an A caliber player available to the rest of the pool fairly and legally, right? Uh, it's just something we want to avoid. So that that's, I, I, that's I think true. It's a good rule. That's true, but most leagues also have safeguards against this, saying that you know you you there are some undroppables like you mentioned. Some most leagues, especially in, in, in the home leagues I'm in, there is a list of undroppables, and those guys are not going to be dropped. So I, it, it's you don't have to really necessarily worry about that in public leagues that you're play, you know like in RT sports like you mentioned that those yes there's a possibility of collusion, but I mean it's it's also very hard to figure it out if it is if it wasn't it's it's yeah, very but hard if so, to prove. but again take that case if somebody on rt sports is in last place is dropping freddie freeman how, how can that be anything but collusion right i mean even if even if you say well he really did want to drop i mean that that just infers collusion cuz uh, anybody in their right mind wouldn't do it so you know rt is just safeguarding against them by saying like well, you can't drop anybody in the month or anybody you drop can't be picked up uh it's just okay. you know Okay. Hey, listen. I mean, I mean, we, we that's here. both. That's both sides of it. That's all. Yeah, it can get heated at the end of seasons with fairness. And to me, the more rules to pre- the more rules you have to prevent something from happening that appears to be um, not fair, um, you know, from a moral or mathematical standpoint. To me, I mean, we talked about it last week. Uh, I don't want to rehash stuff we did last week, but uh, again, you know, the rules of the league should be set up to prevent things from being. Uh, legal in the league, but not really great in the sense is is the general gist of it. That's All righty. Uh, any other business uh, before we go, Ruvain? Um, well, you can continue to follow me on Twitter. I do still continue to tweet out the injury updates um, every, on my injury uh, for for the injuries. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I do that. I still have my weekly article coming out every week. For on Rotoballer discussing the injuries, all the ones I mentioned, plus updates on all the other players when they're coming back, who's coming back, who's not coming back. So just keep a lookout for that. Well, I'm Ariel Cohen. I'm over at, at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer, uh, the Beat the Shift podcast, as you are listening to right now. And my Twitter handle is ATCNY. Uh, so uh, this 
may or may not be the last episode of the regular season. Maybe we do one, uh, or maybe not. Uh, not much more strategy to get, and it would be a short waiver wire pickup anyway. So uh, if it is our last season, thank you so much for listening this season. We will have one or two wrap-up episodes for the season. Uh, those are generally the good ones, where we talk about all the theory about what worked, what didn't work, what we think is going to be uh, changed next year, and uh, you know, you can go back and listen next year and see if we were right or wrong. That's always fun to do. Uh, and then we'll take a, a break probably for most of the month of October, let you enjoy the World Series. Uh, we will take a nice little break, and uh, we'll be back uh, more regularly in November after that. So that's our little schedule for the upcoming. And, uh, yes, this is it. This is the last couple of weeks. Hope you enjoyed the season. If you're listening to us still, then I, I assume you are and you're an avid player. And uh, hope. Hope you're doing well in your leagues. I mean, uh, Ruben, how are you doing in yours? Uh, um, I know the ones you're with me, and most of them are going pretty well, other than the one NFBC auction, which we're in seventh maybe, but we'll out of the money. Well, there's one other home league that I've just fallen out because my, my our pitching plan just didn't really work, so we're fading a little bit in that. It's a home league, but otherwise we're doing pretty well. And listen, even your team is not doing well, and you want to hear updates on how, how Ariel's doing on his softball teams, you just have to tune in. You'll hear that also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in labor, uh, in, we are in third place now, just a point out of second. No way we're going to catch, uh, Jeff Zimmerman, who's been leading pretty much from the start, but kudos uh, to him. Yeah. Kudos to Jeff who, who, uh, won this two years ago and finished second last year. He's just so tough to beat. Uh, Ray Murphy and Gray Albright are within a point of each other and, and us in second place. Tout Wars update. Uh, we finished the regular season. I finished in third place um, and was really looking good <laughs> heading into the playoffs. I, I had a lot of pitchers lined up. It was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And we ran and, – and after all that, I put up I think my either highest or second highest score of the entire season. I had 417 points. That was not good enough to take down Greg Jewett. And kudos to Greg Jewett for just a monster week. But he had Bo Bichette. I was talking to him before the, the week. I'm like, ah, oh, good luck. He's like, well, if I ever have Bo Bichette heat up, then then I'd be in good shape. And I guess he was li- Bo Bichette was listening to our conversation. And he went off, and Greg put up 476 points, which is one of the highest point totals of any team for the entire season by a mile. Uh, I mean, 417 was my highest, and I finished in third place in the league. So uh, the sixth seed, Greg Jewett, took out me, uh, and uh, that is the end of the Tower season. And now he's facing Clay Link in the semifinals. Uh, last year's winner, Frank Stample, faces Ryan Hallam, uh, and they'll square it off. So good luck to the rest of my fellow Touts in the league, and uh, congrats on Greg for just a phenomenal week. I mean, no, there's nothing I could do there. I did all that I could, and I had a great, great week, but... We just had it better, and that's, you know, you love head-to-head and you hate head-to-head. It's exciting, but, uh, man, <laughs> that was somewhat disappointing, I'll tell you. But that is what it is. Do you know what all those players, except for Albright, has to, has in common? I bet, you, I bet you can't figure it out. But, or maybe you can. What they have in common is that they've been guests on this show. Everyone except for Albright. Oh, it's a Gray Albright? Yeah, everyone except for him. They've been guests on the show, and we try to bring you the best guests every year, and the best guests are the ones who do well, and we're, we have no problem bringing on guests who be, even beat you and beat us in the leagues because sure. we have always stuff to learn. Everyone always has stuff to learn, and we learn from our mistakes. 
Sure. Yeah. Oh, the next two guys in labor after us, the fifth and sixth, Adam Rona, Stick Pollock, they, they both came on the show as well. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we get great uh, great guests, and uh, we'll, 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 uh, at the end of the season, we will thank all the guests once again. But, uh, yeah, the guests are, are what make our show week to week, and we try to get guests that are applicable to what their area of expertise are and really give you a different perspective each week. And uh, thanks so much for listening to us uh, so far this the whole season, and um, hope hope you really gained in thought. And you know, I was talking to uh, I was talking with uh, Robert Mershak, who partners a lot with our buddy Ian Khan, and he was like, "Yeah, I love your show because you know we leave you with you always give us something to think about." And uh, I'm, you know, thanks so much, Robert, because that's sort of what you know we go for here is that it's not about just telling oh you pick this player, pick this player. It's about the thought process and thinking. And hopefully we've given you that in our strategy talks and just to have you thinking. And you may not agree with us, by the way. We sometimes don't agree with each other or the guests. Uh, but it gives you the room to think about what your thoughts are on each matter. So uh, success there. If, uh, if, uh, we, if, if that's a response uh, that he got, then uh, I'm, I'm glad. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> that is the end of our show. Once again, thank you so much for listening uh, from Ruven and I and all of the Beat the Shift podcast. We will see you next time. Good luck in the rest of the season. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.